Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hurling Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Karen Collins. Karen, how are things? I'm good, Mark, and yourself? All good. Uh, another weekend fast approaching. So I suppose the headlines this week and what we'll discuss. We'll look at last weekend, Munster Senior Hurling Championship, where Waterford crashed out of the Munster Hurling Championship with a comprehensive loss to Clare. We'll also look at the Joe McDonough Cup here. We know our finalists, Offaly and Carlo, are going to be contesting at Joe McDonough Cup final in Crow Park. Also look at the minor and under 20 uh, roundup here uh, in Leinster and Munster. And also look at the fixtures for Leinster and Munster Senior Hurling Championship Fair. I suppose, Cairn, let's start from the start. I suppose, Thurlis, last Saturday night, Clare facing Waterford. A pretty comprehensive win for Clare without having to really hit the top gears here. Yeah, I think probably a game or two. I think the first half was probably, you know, close. Clare weren't at their best. And, you know, I think when it gets to later stages in the All-Ireland series, if Clare do manage to safely come out of Munster, you know, you can't let that happen because, you know, you you, you play at that level and you're, you're going to get turned over. And I think, I think just Waterford, Waterford's so bad. You know what I mean? They're... There, we we've talked about them for the last two games. You know, we we've we've highlighted their their struggles, and I think the main one of them is they're, they're struggling to score points um, from play. Not to mind even mention goals, but you know they they what I have haven't scored a goal in the the last five games, competitive games. So you know that straight away is a worry. I think Clare they were sloppy. I think they made a lot of errors in the first half. They you know Waterford were kept at bay. Regardless of, I suppose I wouldn't say poorly they played, but they were they weren't the the same clear team that we'd saw on, uh, saw the week before against Limerick, uh, two weeks before against Limerick. But I think in the second half there was no doubt about it. Clare came out um, all guns blazing, and you know I was was talking cheese really uh, for Waterford. Like it's so hard to know what he's gone wrong down there. We've heard some. I've I've been listening the last few days and just talk about is it the team or is it the management and. I suppose you look back to last year and uh, the collapse from the, the league form that they showed within the league going into championship and you know that was under I suppose Liam Cattle's time um, and then into this year you know they didn't set the world alight in the league you know for a team coming in with a new management you, you always expect a kickback and you expect a, a, a pick up even if it's covering over the cracks and it didn't seem to be there uh, in the league it was kind of mixed league form and you know, I think for the Limerick game, like to me now looking back, it, it looks like that Waterford put everything into that Limerick game. Now, be it that be Waterford management or, you know, Waterford as a whole, I don't know. But it, like Waterford were, I was at that game, Waterford were not a bad team that day. You know, they, I think they set up, uh, I mentioned this uh, in the aftermath of the game, they set up to destruct Limerick and to stop them uh, at their game. So I think they came to win it. But they were impressive in facets of that game, uh, the work rate. You know, they brought so many positives and so many positives came out of it, even though they probably they should have won. You know, they had their chances. And I think, the, you know, we've seen over the last two game weeks as well, um, you know, their, their shot count, you know, their scoring, you know, to score seven points for play at, at this level, it's, it's not good enough. So many wides. The 32 shots... In total, scoring 16. 17 of them shots were taken outside the 45 yard line. So I think it's just uh, a sign of where they're, you know, they're, they're shooting from. 
And I think a lot of them time, I, I kind of watched the game back and froze it. And I know Stephen Bennett once or twice, and, was, and he, he took a shot from outside of 45, but there was no wall for a player inside him to play the ball too. So we all, you know, we talk about teams maybe taking one more pass or, or you know, breaking the line or breaking a tackle and, and working in towards goal. There was actually no player inside of 45. Um, so you know, it was it was take the shot or turn back himself, and we saw that I think especially in the second half, Waterford were kind of going over and back to field and going backwards as opposed to going forward. If I'm going to criticise management, you know, I think they're look. I'm not going to hold back, Davy. They're they're outdated. They're you know dinosaur tactics. Um, they don't work anymore. Uh, you know this congestion in the middle third. You know, you're pushing your defenders up, you're pulling your attackers back. Like, if you want to win a game, you have to score. And the only way you get scores, you get close to goal. And I think that's why Waterford are struggling to score. You know, seven points in play is a, is a sign of that. <clears throat> Waterford put themselves under a lot of pressure with these tactics. Like, I've seen a couple of puckouts where they push their defenders, you know, up forward past the 40, their own 45. And... You know that's great if they win the ball, but and the, and the chances, that, the times that they didn't win the ball, there was then a scramble to get back into position. You know, you're, you're coaching young lads, and the main thing you're trying to get through to them at a young age. You know, I'm involved in the tens this year, and we're trying to get through to them is hold their structure, and they're they're going against this completely. You know, they're taking a full back line, half back, and pushing them further up the field than they should be. To some credit, I don't know why I, I can't understand these poker tactics, but. That's great if they win the ball, but if they don't, they're scrambling back to field, and it's nearly like a counter attack for the for the opposing team. I think as well if you look at the clear goals, like they were, you know, they were clearer under no pressure. Um, Waterford defenders, I think, pushed up too far. You know, they need to be sitting a lot deeper, uh, and they leave so much space. Um, and and Clare exploited that. You know, I think if you look at Clare's second goal uh, in particular, uh, Marcus Earl, I think, who was, was sitting deep, kind of in the full back position. There were two clear players between him and the next Waterford defender. Uh, and that Waterford defender was was chasing back, but he was five yards off the breaking ball. So you, you had a two-on-one scenario. So, you know, clear, it had to be a goal. There was no other way around it. You know, I think Waterford, are, their defenders are too far up the field, and they seem to be always chasing back, either to chase back a defender or to try and close down space between the defender or the, sorry, the clear attacker and goal. You know, I think it's crazy, crazy tactics. And then we look at the other end, you know, the, it was times there where there was no attacker inside the 45. Now, I've seen this close up with, with Wexford over the last few years under Davy. Actually, it brings me back to the day Wexford played Clare in, you know, I think it was the All-Ireland quarterfinal. It would have been two years ago. And it was similar tactics where there was no player inside the 45-yard line. I think at the time, Wexford might have been eight, nine points down. And you're how are how do you want to get back into this game if you're not scoring? Like it's that's the point of the game is to outscore your opponent. I just can't see. I think it's a case that the Waterford players haven't bought in. Uh, I don't think they fully believe or know what they're supposed to be doing. You know, I I, I recall that the the Limerick game I was at, I saw it firsthand was I think when it came to puckouts, the Waterford players you could see confusion. Like there was no cohesion. They were you know they were kind of over back speed. They didn't understand where they were supposed to be at certain times. I think they're it's too tactics driven. You know, there can only be a certain amount of management can put into players. I think they have to be the tactics have to come off when they step over the white line, and it has to be a certain amount of freedom to, you know, to play their game. Obviously, they they know their system and they know what way they're supposed to be playing. But it's like the Waterford players are afraid to, you know, to to hurl within themselves. 
And I think it's just too tactically driven that, you know, it's 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 just not working. It's just not working. Yeah, I know that an awful lot's been talked about regarding Watford and where they go from here. I suppose, look at the management crews that they've had in the last few years here, Kieran. I mean, even starting from Park Fanning all the way, I mean, to Liam Cahill, Michael Bevins. These are all great hurling men. David Fitzgerald, they're all great hurling men. They can't be all wrong here, uh, Kieran. It's, uh, I don't know what the players, it's maybe game plans, maybe a little bit complex, but I, I saw frustration on Saturday night, evident in that Callum Lyons sending off. I mean, two very avoidable yellow cards, I would say. The first one particularly, third man in, when Waterford won a free, was just absolute kamikaze hurling at its finest. And I mean, really is no realms of recourse for the second one. You know, literally it's a, a trip with the hurl. So, I mean, look, Callum Lyons struck a very frustrated figure. He's a wing back. He likes to roam forward. He was completely restricted in that half back. But I thought from a management perspective, the matchups, the Desi Hutchinson's not inside. I just felt, you know, management didn't do themselves any favours here, particularly in this game as well with their setup, Kieran. Yeah, I think Callum Lyons, like the, the, the I think the first year he could have no arguments, and I, I think it's a it's a sign of frustration more so as well. Yeah. But the uh, the sec I thought the second unit was harsh. You know, okay, it did trip him up, but I, I don't think they're you know, I think it was just late more than anything. I thought it was a harsh yellow. Um I think uh, you know the, his face showed what he was feeling at the time. I just don't I like to me Waterford didn't look comfortable on the ball, they didn't look comfortable. I think there's also a question about their fitness. I think I, I kinda of looking at the team then like the I think Desi Hudson or um sorry, Ozzy Gleason in particular, I thought he looked I thought he looked completely unfit. There was one stage where a clear uh, player won the ball on him and he just gave up chase. You know, I, I don't I think he, he he just gassed out, the legs weren't there. Um you touch mark on, on players around positions. I think the matchups like Daryl Lyons and Tony Kelly, you know. Oh, Daryl Lyons is a, is a midfielder, you know, and yeah. what midfielder I'd say if you pick out any midfielder in the country and ask him to do a man marking job. You know, it's not in his nature. It's not in his psyche, like. And you, I think you look at the last few years. The Tony Kelly deserves special attention without a doubt. Uh, and the teams that have had a success, man marking him has been like Kenny with Mikey Butler. Uh, I've seen Wexford with Shane Reck, Cahill Barrett only recently. You know, held him. All cornerbacks. You know, that's cornerbacks bread and butter. It's a man mark. You know, hold a player. Um, I'm not saying that Waterford. Should, should have picked one of their, cor- their cornerbacks. But that, that's more in the lines of what their job is. And I think straight away, like, Daryl Lyons was, was four or five yards off Tony Kelly, you know, all day. Uh, but I, I wouldn't blame Daryl Lyons. I think that matchup was wrong completely. You know, we saw Desi Hudson. It's just too far off for off and goal. I think you look at the first minute or two in the second half, Desi Hudson was in the corner forward position, gets the ball in, puts it over the bar because he was in the right position, you know. But I think, <clears throat> going back to Davey as well, um, I think the look, we, yeah, the tactics we know are wrong, but there seems to be no, like it doesn't matter how many points you're down, you're 10, 12 points down, and it's still persistent and, and, and continuing to play a sweeper. You know, why not throw the shackles off and just say, right, well, let's go 15 and 15. Let's go back into, we'll play a three inside uh, and lump long ball in. I think the one time they did was uh, Jamie Barron's half chance to goal. Not a half chance, he should have probably scored. But the, the ball came in high on top of Ozzy Gleason. He broke it, and Jimmy Barron got shot a goal. You know, why not do that? And it was the same when, when David was at Wexford. 
you know, there was no plan B. They did it that day, actually, I mentioned earlier with the extra clear, you know, they were taking a hammer. And they actually, they kind of, they, you know, they did go free that day. I think it was Davies' last game with clear with extra. Um, they started putting long ball in, in, on top of Chin and, and uh, Conor McDonald. And they reaped some awards for it. So I think it's, I'm not sure, is it is it pride uh, or stubbornness or what to, you know, let's admit maybe defeat and say, right, we're wrong with this. Let's go old school. Let's go 15 and 15 and, and see how we fare out and put the players in their natural positions. And I think, you know, having Desi Hudson out, out past 45 is criminal. Put him inside, get the ball into him. And I think he would do, he would do damage. But I, I do think there's a deeper problem in Walford Hurling than with this year and with, you know, the management. I think we look at a minor under 20 and senior they haven't won a game this year. You know, I think that's worrying fact not to win one game. They're under 20s. 2016 have won one game. That was against Kerry. You know, yeah. so I think, you know, it's a deeper problem. I think the, the whole of Walford County Board need to address, you know, I, I think there has to be a, a sit-down session or not just one, probably a few, and address like you know what is wrong here why whatever about not winning titles but being competitive you know at least minor and 20s winning games and you know possibly getting to the odd final but not to win a game is a really really worrying i think if you look closer the whole valley gunner you know going for 10 in a row this year that can't be good for club hurling no i'm not being harsh for valley gunner i'm sure they're doing everything right and i think that's why they're they're winning so many but I think it's up to other clubs to to get up to their level, you know. But any club winning, dominating in a county cannot be good for the for the hurling county itself. Yeah, no, I think it nail on the head there in terms of the dominance of Batty Gunner. But as, as you say yourself, I think an awful lot of soul searching has gone, particularly in the underage structures, particularly in your minors, your under twenties, particularly that stat you've thrown out is, I think it's speaking volumes right now in terms of how these round-robin games in Munster have gone for Waterford. Again, talent is certainly, certainly there in Waterford, but I think it just needs a bit more refinement, even kind of east-west of the county. You've Waterford City, obviously, catchment areas. So, again, like an awful lot of counties here, when you're hitting rock bottom, there needs to be a real soul-searching between the county board, the players, and prominent hurling personalities, like Ken McGrath, I know has been very vocal this week here, uh, Karen. But I think everyone has to be kind of buying in here and really, from a Waterford perspective, really hold some real in-depth, honest assessments and maybe get maybe some outside help here in terms of some structures that have been implemented. I'm just going to throw Offaly out there. Maybe the underage structures in Offaly. Have reaped the benefits here. You've seen the Offaly Miners last season. The under twenties are in a final uh, on Wednesday night against Wexford in at what's Column Park. So, I mean, I think for Waterford here, their eyes and ears have to be wide open here in terms of how to improve the situation, as you say. But even go closer to Hallmark, I think in our own county, Limerick, you know, we were in the same situation not too long ago, yeah. and I, I think you probably add Clare to that bracket as well. You know, Clare were in all sorts of bother there not too long ago, and I think they've she's a miraculous turnaround. Um, in the last two or three years uh, to get where they are, especially this year, they've had a great year so far. But, uh, you know, look at Limerick, like we were, I suppose, in them depths of despair. Um, and I, I think for Waterford, they're in, it's a crisis now. I think it's something that, you know, something has to be done. You know, even for, like, they have a year, I suppose, if you look at it, like, they're out, they've won more game in two weeks' time that they probably have to honour. 
but they have the bones of you know ten months to to work on this, like and and, and get a solution for next year. I don't know will David Fitz and Cole be there next year. I think Waterford need to go to their own. You know, I see Ken McGrath tweeting during the week, and I've listened to John McGrath or John Milan, uh, yesterday there, and you know, passionate, you know, Waterford hurling men, and you know, maybe they need to go back and and keep it in house and. You know, they know what Waterford Hurling is and, and what their strengths are and, you know, to play to that. Because, you know, I remember them teams in the 90s and, like, they were incredible to watch. You know, yeah. Paul Flynn, John Milan, you know, Ken McGrath, Tony Brown, like, they were incredible. I think they were like the Limerick team in the 90s. They probably should have won in All-Ireland and didn't. You know, you don't get handed them. But they were incredible. And, you know, I think that maybe that same passion isn't in Waterford it was then. I don't know the players is driven. I think the players have a lot to answer for here. I, I'm not... Like, I think David Fitz this year has an awful lot to answer for, but there's a deeper issue that the players have to stand up and, and take ownership for. Yeah, it's across the board. It's the it's the, the minors, the 20s, the seniors. And I think even if you look at the football as well, it's similar. You know, I think they're, they're not competitive in any in any age group, you know, minor, 20s, senior in football or hurling. And, you know, there's, there's something more going on there. I think it'll be, they have a lot of work to do over the next few months. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they will target next year will Davey get another chance you know I, I I really do think Davey's time as a, as a manager up if he continues to play the tactics he wants to play I'm just really surprised like like Owen Kelly Owen Kelly was an out and out forward you know what I mean a lethal in front of goal and you know how do these guys like it's like not everyone bought into you know what Davey wants and I think you know looking at teams in the past Jesus he he broke water for the first time, and I think he's fairly close to breaking him this time as well. Again, it'll be interesting to stick with Davy or not. But that comment from Liam Cahill after that Tipperary Waterford Allianz Hurling League game, you know, back in the spring, really resonated with me after the game when he said, "Let's see how things shape up in the championship." You know, in terms of you know, I think he was referring to last season. Given when Waterford on the crest of the wave, they'd won the Allianz Division 1A final with that comprehensive win over Cork. Things are looking up, and then all of a sudden, things collapse. And I think Cahill's maybe referencing that, that maybe there was other things at play here that contributed. And I think it's certainly no coincidence that this year, with pretty much the same group of players, has underperformed again. So I think an awful lot of soul searching here, uh, Karen, for Waterford. But I suppose we can go to uh, Claire here quickly. I mean, it's a routine win, but uh, I suppose Tony Kelly with Aidan McCarthy out injured, really stepping up to the fold again, 13 points, magnificent. But the use of the long ball for the two goals, I thought, was fairly um, interesting from Claren, and maybe it's a tactic in the future that they might use, uh, starting with Cork at the weekend. Yeah, I think they were just exploiting the space, Mark, because, as I said earlier, because the wall for defenders had pushed so high, they were playing in over that, uh, and they took full advantage of probably... I think looking back, they probably could, should have scored a couple of more goals because um, I had to exploit that a little bit more. But yeah, look, I think you know, they were a little bit off the pace in the first half, but I think a uh, different team in the second half. You know, Tony Kelly, okay, the score, it looks good, 13 points. I think he, you know, take everything into consideration um, before from play, but, you know, the wrong man marking him. Colin Malone, you know, serious workhorse there in the middle. Ian Galvin took his goal very well. You know, and they'll be happy. I think what will um, make uh, Lowell happy is that they back up the Limerick game. You know, that they, 
it wasn't a flash in the pan. They came out, they had their, they got the win, and uh, you know that will push them on again towards the next day against Cork because uh, it could have been a potential for Lanskin because you know we didn't know what Waterford they had the little two week break. They were what we expected. I expected Waterford to come playing with a little bit more more pride than they showed in the the Cork game. Um, so you know leading to that game, it could have been a potential for Lanskin, but you know I think they'll they'll be happy to have their, their four points on the board. And a, and a home game this weekend against Cork, and you know we're in for two, you know two crackers I think this weekend. But you know this is what this is what Munster Hurl is all about. So. Yeah, absolutely huge. Let's talk about Cusack Park. I suppose what are the matchups that excite you most here, Karen, on that Clare Cork game? Yeah, but I think the main thing for Clare will to see will Ed McCarthy be back in. I think they've uh, not that I've heard that there's no word of um, whether he'll be back or not yet. I do think. Players still have question marks at the back. You know, they have conceded seven goals in the, the first two games. Okay, we can make excuses for three of them from uh, mistakes, but going into a car team who are going to look for goals, you know, and they're going to run the, uh, at um, a Clare's backs, I think it's going to be a real test. And I think if Clare can hold out, you know, uh, and not concede, maybe one or two, you can make a, an argument for, but a justification for but I think if Clare can hold out against a Cork team who, who will try and get goals, I think maybe the, the, the chip has been steadied from the first game especially. Uh, I think Cork, the word is that Robbie O'Flynn is out for another six weeks, which is real tough luck after getting back. And, you know, I think he's really important for Cork. Um, I think it opens the door with Shane Kingston start. You know, plenty of people have said over the last year that Kingston seems to be a better impact player than a starter. So... Look, no doubt Cork have plenty of, of options, but it'll be interesting to see because I think Robbie play, Robbie O'Flynn is such a huge player for Cork that you know it'll be huge boots to fill. I think it's going to be a huge game. This is a huge game for both teams. You know, clear win, they've basically guaranteed the monster final for themselves. It's their last game, so I suppose you know it's all out for this game. They will have a couple of weeks break after it. So you know, Cork, you know, sitting on three points, you know they're. They have a tough task. They have two away games in a row against Clare and Limerick. And, uh, you know, I, I think they'll go all out to to win this one. Um, you know, I, it, it's probably even so hard to call. I think just based on Clare being at home, every time Clare play at home, you, you have to give them a, an advantage because they've turned Cusick Park into such a, you know, it's a, such a hard place to go and win. Um, it's a big field, but the... the the crowd feels like they're on top of the field. You know, it's so enclosed. It's like a coliseum. Like, in, you know, that player are they're on a high, they're on a crest of a wave, I suppose, with the the Miners winning the Munster title last week. And, you know, the 20s were so close last night. You know, Claire Hurland is on a high. And I think the Music Park will be full to the rafters and plenty of Claire jerseys there. And uh, I, this is going to be a huge game. It's so hard to call. I'd agree with you there because magnitude of a result for either side is huge here. I mean, if Clare were to lose another home game in Cusick Park, they're really looking nervously on the following weekend to the last round of fixtures. And really, you don't want to be dependent on results in the Sponsor Senior Hurling Championship, particularly when you have Waterford and Tip in the final round of games and plus Limerick, Cork in TUS Gaelic grounds. I suppose, from my viewpoint in Cork, is Tim O'Mahony maybe an option for Robbie O'Flynn? I mean... Leave Shane Kingston maybe in reserve for maybe 20, 25 minutes. If things aren't going well in the half-forward line, you can always bring in Shane Kingston. It'll be interesting to see how Pat Ryan, as you say, will play this with Robbie O'Flynn out. I think the thing with Cork is you'll never know because there's such a selection that 
you know, will they move Darfus Gibbon? You know, keep him up the field again. Uh, they have so many options. It's just so hard to other teams. You can you can really select the the starting team before the game. But I think with Cork, we, we just never know. I I do think um, Hannity definitely plays. Horgan, I think will, will play as well. Um, I think Jackie Dalton. Yeah, he he took his goal very well, but you know he he was kind of in and out of the game. I thought um, after that, probably lacking a bit of pace. I think Robbie O'Flynn was the real workhorse in that forward unit, and you know Shane Kingston comes on like he is uh, a live wire when he comes on, and he usually does con- contribute to a good few scores. Um, you know by by starting him, are they losing that spark and that impact? You know for the last maybe fifteen twenty minutes when it's needed to see the game over the line. You know, Jack O'Connor, who was, I suppose, in huge favour two years ago and lost that bit of, you know, that bit of I spark that he had that year in last year. And, you know, is he an option? Um, you know, there's so many options. And it's just so hard to know. But I, Tim O'Malley, I really, I really like a good player. Um, I think he's definitely one a live option there, right? Yeah, indeed. And I suppose Clare's side as well. Shane O'Donnell will only relish playing Cork County after he's experiencing an All-Ireland Hurling final replay. Um, so, I mean, he's been prominent. He scored a few points, but I think he's due a breakout here. And I'm just wondering about Cork in terms of how they tactically match up on Tony Kelly. Will they leave him roving here in the middle third if they do? Given how Tipperary created goal chances against Cork two weeks ago, Shane O'Donnell could be in for a nice little bonanza day if there is space inside. Yeah, I think it's one thing that after seeing what how Tipperary got, got inside the Cork um, defence that I think it's one thing Clare will look at. Um, <clears throat> they have plenty of, 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 of pace and, and attacking hurlers themselves. I think, you know, I, I do think, you know, Aid McCarthy would be a loss if he doesn't start. But even off the bench, like Clare have, have options. I think, you know, for the last few, few weeks we've seen Shane Meehan coming on, a really young guy with plenty of promise. Aaron Shanner, who I, you know, would say he's hot and cold. I think he, this year he's been very, very good. Also, David Reedy, you know, he was electric there in a couple of the league games. I think he did. So, you know, along with Car Clare, have options up front. I suppose looking at the two teams, I think the real question marks is at the back, you know, and I, I think Clare more so for me. I think they have a few questions to answer regarding at the back. Uh, if they do get through this weekend and, and, and they win, and, you know, maybe only could see one or two goals. You know, this this Clare team, they're, they're building week on week and, you know, be guaranteed the Munster final. And I think with the heart after losing last year's and, and, and being so close, serious, serious contenders for the All-Ireland Series, that's the case. But as you said, if they lose, they're sitting on four points and the fate isn't in their own hands, you know. And I think this is the way the joy of Munster hurling and, you know, the, the ebbs and flows. And it's a roller coaster really, because, you know, week one, Clare lose to tip. And, you know, the overriding feeling is, it's clearer and better here, you know, going into this year. And then, you know, two game weeks later, and we're talking up for months to final, you know, and for the uh, contenders for the All-Ireland Series. So it can all change so quick. Look, we also look at Limerick, our own county, who played two and lost one. Um, if Cork win and if Tipperary beat Limerick, Limerick are out. We're getting to the business end now, you know. So game week three, or uh, sorry, um, the last two weeks, like four and five, or three and four, you know, this is where the business starts and, and, and teams, you know, Walter are gone, but there's one more to go and there's one more good hurling team to go. Yeah, one big hitter that's going to go, uh, which is hard to believe, really, uh, this time of year. I suppose, Karen, can I get a uh, verdict from you? Are you tipping Claire here to beat Cork? I think the, you know, 
I think the worry for me with Cork, um, they were electric in the start against Tipperary. You know, they they could have had three potential goals in the first few minutes. Um, my problem was this, they switched off. They went out of the game for basically a quarter after that, and Tip took over. And I think Tip did boss that game um, from that point. You know, after that electric start from Cork, I think Cork, Cork scored one three. Tip scored ten of the next eleven points. You know, that's a huge worry for me. I think Tipperary left that win behind. You know, they were five points up. Okay, Cork didn't give in. I'd like that. They they finished well. You know, there's positives there, but you can't switch off for a period of the game and give your opposition a perfect pass like that. Um, because you know, better teams will punish you when there's no comeback. So that is one huge red flag for me regarding Cork. Look, Cork. I heard um, Cyril Farrell say, if you give them room to dance, they'll dance, you know, and, and they will. So I think they will run a Clare same way that, that Clare were trying to exploit Cork. But I think if Clare could shut down Cork's line of running, you know, it kind of leads are a little bit fundamental, I think. They're full of running. But if you shut them lines of running down, how good can they be? Uh, I think that's a huge question mark for me. Regarding Clare... I think the first day, yeah, they, were, they came in cold. You know, you can make argument for the, the three goals, mistakes that, that tip benefit from goals from. But I think since, like, you know, beating Limerick, um, you know, that's that game, the, the intensity they brought, the, you know, their work rate, just, they were on fire that night. And, you know, getting over that wall for game, okay, albeit not a classic performance, but being at home, you know, gives them a huge advantage. I think this the goal, their last game, you know, they have no more chances after this. And, you know, this is their, their chance to get to the Munster final. And I, I think based on that, I'm going to say Clare. Um, I still think it's going to be a rip-roaring game because they're at home and it's their last game to to, to get where they want to be. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, uh, Kieran. I think Clare's home record has been formidable, apart from that blip. Uh, particularly in Tipperary, their championship form in Cusick Park, second to none. I just think physicality-wise, Clare will bring it, particularly in that middle third. I think that may stifle Cork a little bit. I'm just wondering here in terms of if the game is in the melting pot or there's a four or five point difference here at the end. Do Cork kind of, if they're behind, do they really kind of go all out here to get a result? Because they do have a Limerick fixture in TUS Gaelic grounds the following week. So I think it's going to be an interesting tactical battle but I think Clare look they're out of the round robin after this Clare the prize is huge six points gets them into a Munster Hurling final you hear Tony Kelly all the time going on about Munster Hurling finals that he wants you know that's the accolade that's what he wants so I think from that perspective the team are galvanised I think they'll win this by maybe two or three points but I think it certainly will be a classic here uh, Karen. and I suppose we can get to Turles then straight after it I mean, Karen, all the speculation and rumours, I thought myself and you would be lining up for Limerick on Sunday, to be perfectly fair. But, uh, like, Tipperary have shown an awful lot of good upside this year against a Limerick team who have lost their home record in the championship this year uh, to Clare. I suppose it's an intriguing battle here of Tipperary who are progressing. And Limerick, we're waiting to see if there's a response or a bit of dog back in the champions. What do you think? Uh, I suppose I'll start with Limerick. Um... I think if you if you look back at the first two games, I won't say poor. They, they haven't been themselves. I think is probably how I sum them up. Um, certain players 
not, you know, having an imp- the usual impact they have. I think if you can uh, look at Kyle Hayes, Keane Lynch, Peter Casey wasn't too bad in the first game. I think he was, you know, completely out of the game the last day against Clare. Um, I think Tom Marcy has been the one, you know, bright light in, in the forward. But, you know, he had his, his, you know, couple of missed chances the last day as well. I don't know, was it like a heading towards a, you know, like a, a downhill kind of a trajectory, but, you know, maybe the, the loss to Clare can put a bit of life back in the team. They've had a three-week break from the Clare game. You know, this is temporary, like, this is the old enemy. This is, you know, even when Limerick are poor, they put it all out to, to try and be temporary. So, and as I said, there is a chance that if Cork be Clare and we get turned over, we're out, you know, so... Not many would have said that uh, four or five weeks ago. Um, I do expect a huge, huge increase in uh, in, in intensity. You know, I think Limerick have been a little bit pedestrian, especially against Clare. I think, you know, I'm not trying to take any credit away from Clare's win. Fantastic win. Come into the Gaelic grounds and do it as, as well, especially. But, you know, I think that day Limerick looked a bit off. I think a couple of, like, Galad had a few wides from freeze, which you rarely see. Uh, as I mentioned, Tom Morrissey had, at least two that I can remember wides that were, you know, pretty much in front of the post that on the other day he doesn't have wides. Uh, and again, Jim Burns uh, also missed one or two as well. So, you know, from a team that lost from a point, okay, it wasn't all doom and gloom, but, you know, even them missed chances there, you know, you know, had they been taken, could have been a different result. But definitely, results aside, I don't think the same intensity has been there that we've seen the last few years. I think our you know, Limerick, we always kind of associate them with huge shot tallies, 45, 50 shots in the game. And I think that was down to puck out retention that I think teams have kind of, they're putting us under more pressure in the puck outs where we're not winning as many. Um, and that's why, you know, we're, we're obviously not retaining as many balls and, and in possession as many balls to get shots away. And I think that's probably a result of why we're the last two games we've seen like, what, 25, 30 shots in goal, which is, you know, for the last couple of years, it was you know, sometimes, I won't say double that, but there was at least another 20 on top of that. Our scoring, like, we, we were putting up, you know, 30, 230, you know, big scores on teams. Um, I think the two games to date has been low scoring. So, you know, something has been amiss in the first two games this year. Uh, so I think, look, we've had the three-week break. I do expect a huge increase in... I suppose in the workload and the work rate that they've they've been doing. I think they've been probably doing a lot of hard training in the last few weeks. And I think for this game, if we don't, a huge, I suppose, performance is needed, first of all. Um, you know, Tipperary played Limerick and Solango in a league semi final. And, you know, we saw what quality they brought, the intensity they brought. And, you know, this is their backyard. They're not going to be want to be turned over. Liam Cattle has done a superb job at Tipperary this year. You know, and, and they're in the hunt, they're in the mix. They sit on three points. They have won for their last game, so I think they'll fancy themselves to to take a win there to be on five points. So a potential win here could see them in the Munster final also. You know, so they have their own prize. <clears throat> I think the biggest negative for Tipperary at the minute is the last of Jason Ford. You know, he's their talisman. You know, that's like Clare losing out on, on Tony Kelly or, you know, Limerick without Keane Lynch. You know, he's the main man there. He's the main scorer threat. He scored about four... 60 this year so far you know huge huge numbers they coped it on him the last day he went obviously went off in the in the car game 
you know, I suppose big game, you don't get a chance to think about it. But I think when, when Tipper planning for this game and how to set up planning without forward is a, it's a bigger ask. Um, who comes in? Do we see maybe Mark Yo come in? You know, with Shemi Cannon start? Uh, <clears throat> you know, Shemi Cannon is very little hurling done. You know, does he have the same impact as he did? You know, super player, but, you know, obviously the age is, is going against him. But, you know, I think Tipperary will throw everything at Limerick. You know, same as he did in that league semi-final. And, and it's going to be, you know, a rip-roaring game as well. You know, the, the two bordering counties, you know, they have history. Neither of them want to lose the other team. You know, Tip have been very, you know, impressive up front, especially, I think, with Jake Morris. Um you know, Mark Keogh on the last day as well. <clears throat> Noah McGrath has been, you know, superb midfield. I think the one question mark highlight the last day as well is Tip of Austin who conceded seven goals, you know. And I think if you you're to strip back them and look at each one individually, a lot of them goals came from direct running, Tip full backline. I think if you can get inside the half backline, they seem to be exposed. I don't know, is there a lack of uh, experience in, in full back? You know, there's a couple of young guys there as well. You know, Brian O'Mara. Um, you know, obviously, I think Johnny Ryan as well. We've kind of saw him exposed earlier in the year against um, Peter Casey. So, you know, I think that'll be one area that Limerick will try and, and a, a target tip is is to just run at him. So I think that'll be a job that, you know, Cahill and, and Mikey Evans will have looked at for the last few weeks is how they tighten up the back. Because, you know, whatever chance you have of beating Limerick, um, if you can curtail them to score goals, you have a great chance. But if Limerick can score three or four goals, it's a, it's a, an even harder task. Yeah, no, I think you summed it up beautifully there, uh, Kieran, in terms of the key kind of matchups here from Tipperary and Limerick. I suppose injury front as well. You alluded to Jason Ford out for four weeks with the hamstring. Don't believe all you need to see on social media after the initial report said he was unscathed. And I suppose looking at the Limerick side, how do you feel that full back line will fare with Sean Fain out for the season? And who do you feel will be filling in that corner back position? I think it all depends. Uh, there's a lot of talk here recently that um, people suspect that John Kiley might pull Kyle Hayes uh, closer to goal back into kind of a maybe centre forward position. You know, the last two days, I think he, he didn't have the same impact we saw, you know, two years ago, um, making runs from deep. I think teams are kind of. They've, they've uh, allowed for this, they plan to, you know, ways to stop it happening. And I think if that happens, I think you could see Mike Casey and Rich English coming into the full back line, which will allow for Dan Marcy to move to wing back in his place. Now, you also have the option of uh, Colin Cocker as well. So there is options there. Um, I think if Kyle Hayes holds his position at wing back, I think you see Mike Casey coming in. You know, he's an also hurler. Um, but you also have Rich English in the bench as well. You know, so you know, Sean Finn is a huge player, or most consistent player over the last, you know, five, six years. Huge loss, no doubt about it. But I suppose there is cover, you know, in, in my case in Rich English. Um and there's younger guys behind him as well, I know. But um not to say we're not gonna worry, like huge boots to fill. But you know, my case he's an officer hurler as well. Absolutely. No. And even thinking from the Tipperary side, no harm putting James Cannon up there in the full forward line. Maybe putting a few direct balls into that full back line immediately just to test out Limerick's rear guard because Sean Finn does an awful lot of untold work there in terms of mopping up loose ball in behind. 
you know, so I think from that perspective, I think Seamus Cannon would be a nice foil. He'd be a nice fulcrum for the likes of Jake Morris, you know, particularly. Um, and I would imagine Mark Keogh would probably start ahead of Johnny Ryan anyway um, on Sunday as well. But I suppose it's tantalizingly, intriguingly poised here, Karen, in terms of this game. I mean, I'd like to declare a Cork game. Huge ramifications for the victor here. I suppose from your perspective, who do you feel will be... Uh, Emerging victorious from Central Stadium on Sunday? I think the most pressure is going to be on Limerick, but I think Tipperary were looking at that last game and fancy themselves to beat Waterford. You know, I think Waterford are, you know, they're in all sorts of water. So that would put Tipperary in five points. So I think they do have a fallback. I think five points is enough to see it through and be one of the three teams. So I think Tipperary do have that fallback. Now, not, not saying that they're going to turn over and let Limerick beat them. You know, they still have a, you know, if they win, possibly a guaranteed, um, Munster final, um, which Manny wouldn't have said at the end of last year to see uh, Tipperary come back and with such a gusto to be in the Munster final. But, you know, so I think the, the, the more pressure is on Limerick. And I think based on the first two performances, we need a huge improvement for Limerick to what we've seen. You know, they looked impressive in the league, but, you know, you can never look at league form. We, we've seen that over the last two or three seasons. Uh, I think we, Limerick need to come out with a different team than what they, they have been. I do think the loss will have hurt. <clears throat> the last time the loss was um, July 2019. You know, it's a long time ago now in, in championship. I think that loss will have hurt. And uh, hopefully it could be uh, the kickstart that Limerick might need it and, and kind of restart the, the season. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom, obviously, you know, but hopefully that loss will kind of kick them into new levels of you know, new levels of intensity and, you know, to bring it back to what we know in America over the last few years, you know, I don't think they've shown it this year so far. Look, I'm honest, I think Limerick are they're a super hurdle team. You just don't become a bad hurdle team overnight. I, I think Limerick will win. I think Ford will be a huge loss. Look, Sean Finn is going to be a huge loss for Limerick. But I think at the other end, Ford is, is, is really important for, for Tipperary. I think based on that, I just have to go with Limerick. Yeah, I mean, I think the first 10 minutes will give us a great guide in terms of Limerick. And for me, it'll be the running, the support running lines from the halfback line. We've seen precious little of it in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship so far against Waterford, and particularly against Clare. Really, it's now up to the likes of the Kyle Hayes, the Dan Morrissey's, Declan Hannon's, probably to orchestrate a little bit, but also to provide that attacking platform here to allow the midfield and also the half forward line to really flourish. And I think that will happen. I think it's a do or die for Limerick. And I think given all the rumours and all the innuendo that's going on outside the camp, it would be brilliant from a Limerick perspective to really put in a superb performance in, a statement of intent for everyone else in this competition to say that Limerick are back. And I think, to be perfectly honest, look at the weather conditions this week. I think it's primed for good running, hurling, and the number one team that does that magnetically is Limerick. And I think if the work written, the intensity is there, I can see Limerick winning, but I can also see Tipperary really posing problems here initially, like they did in the Alliance Hurling League. You know, Barry Hogan's puckouts were very on point, but I think inside, I think we might see one or two goals here for Tipperary early, and I think it will test the resolve of Limerick here, but I think this team, they owe nothing to the fans here from Limerick, but I think this team have a bit more to give in this championship, and I would give it to Limerick to go on to four points and really setting up a magnificently titanic struggle between themselves and Cork and TUS Gaelic grounds on Sunday week. So I'll go Limerick as well here. I think as well, Mark, you look at Limerick's record against Tipperary last year is they've had the one up on them. 
Yeah. I think also uh, Liam Cahill and Mikey Evans, like they've struggled against liver teams as well. You know, with Waterford, um, they never got to get a get to win over them. You know, as good as Waterford were going, um, they never managed to win. So hopefully that will continue on past past Sunday. In fairness to Tipperary, they're always very progressive. They're always very expansive in terms of their hurling. There's not going to be any really sophisticated defensive systems here for Limerick. I think it's going to be an awful lot of man-to-man marking here. I would say maybe an occasional sweeper, Ronan Marr maybe coming back in a little bit. But I think in all intents and purposes, I think the likes of Keane Lynch here may get a little bit more space around the middle third to really express himself. And I think, you know, from a half-forward line perspective, I think the evidence is there, particularly with Cork. If you can get good quality ball into the half-forward line and turn at that temporary defence, you know, the opportunities are endless. So I think it's going to be a fantastic game and, you, you know, culminating in two quality games in Munster. I suppose we can look quickly at Leinster Senior Hurling Championship in absolute contrast. I suppose Saturday night we have Kilkenny and Dublin in UPMC Northern Park. And then on Saturday we do have Galway entertaining Antrim and Wexford entertaining Westmead. I suppose the Saturday night game probably looks the pick of the games here, Kieran, uh, Kilkenny and Dublin. Do you give Dublin any chance here of causing one be a bit competitive against Kilkenny, but two maybe causing an upset win. I don't think it's very hard to make a case for Dublin, especially uh, Kilkenny at home. You know, Kilkenny, I think, have been progressing nicely the last few weeks. You know, Mullen getting good game time, Tijeri coming back in, you know, just slapping back in. Plenty of selection choices for um, for Ling and Kilkenny. Um, you know, Donnelly, John Donnelly, and you have Massey Keown and you know, water back in as well there and, you know, on Coley. So uh, there's plenty of class in Kilkenny. I think Dublin probably looking at the, the fixtures and two tough games, got, uh, you know, they're away to um, away to Kilkenny and then they're home to Galway last weekend. So, you know, they're sitting with um, with five points. I think they're looking at the Wexers. Uh, Wexers have Westmead this weekend, which you'd expect them to not slip up like last year and get the job done. Uh, it'll all go down to the last weekend is the the Wexford Kilkenny game, you know, and, and if Wexford do get a result at home to Kilkenny, which they have done for the last few seasons, that will put Dublin out. So I think there's you know, Dublin aren't home and holes just because they beat Wexford a few weeks ago. I mean I find it hard to see Wexford beating Kilkenny in the foreign they've shown, but possibilities are there. So Dublin have a bit to fight, like, you know, even a point, I think, would be a, a huge result. Um, but, I, you know, I think this Kilkenny game is definitely one where they're not going to get a point. I think Kilkenny, easy win at home. I think, I think Kilkenny winning this point, eight to ten points. I'd agree with you there. I think the body of evidence here is Donald Burke has been a fulcrum for Dublin. And provided that Kilkenny do snuff out ball inside, I find it very difficult to give Dublin any case here. I, I think, think you see Mikey Butler coming out. Oh, Mark yeah. Donald Burke, you know, <clears throat> get a special attention, and you know we we've said it over the last few weeks. If you if you can tie down Donald Burke, you're you're tying down nearly fifty percent of that forty. Exactly. So for me, I think it's eight to ten points here. But you'd hope for me all of Donahue here in Dublin that they do turn up. They're competitive. They're a bit better than they were in the Hurling League fixture down UPMC Nolan Park, where they fell well short of the standards required. So, but look, I think Kilkenny setting themselves up for that Wexford Park or Chadwick Park um, fixture the following week. I suppose Wexford-Westmead, I suppose we are going with uh, Wexford here, are we, Kieran? Yeah, I think there's a few injury concerns. Um, 
I think Damien Rick, uh lead chain obviously with that shoulder as well. Not too sure. I haven't actually heard any news during the week there, but I think they are a doubt. But I think even so, you'd still expect Wexford to have enough. I think Westmead have had their own injury troubles as well. Their main man, Killian Doyle, out. A couple others along as well. And, you know, they've been they've been poor this year. I think Westmead were nearly like a surprise package last year. But, you know, second season syndrome, like they're, they haven't had the same impact in games. Look, they have been injury hit, so you have to make, a, I suppose, he's off the pressure on him a little bit. But, yeah, it's hard to see anything with a Wexford win at home as well. Yeah, no, likewise, I think it's been a torrid season for Westmead. The injuries haven't helped, you know, once they've gotten one or two guys back, there's been another one or two in the treatment table. Keenan Doyle is a massive loss there, in the, you know, from free-taking and open play. And Wexford are fully aware of what Westmead bring to the table after last season in Mullingarron, I think. This probably comes at the right time for Wexford, particularly the shooting accuracy that we'd highlighted last week. They'll get plenty of it against Westmead here. And I think, you know, maybe a 15-point win here. Probably not out of the question here, Karen. Uh, and I suppose Galway entertain Antrim and Salt Hill. I mean, Antrim have shown good moments here in the championship. And also, you know, against Kilkenny, I know they were hit early with that three-goal salvo very early. But they did fight to the end. Do you give them any kind of opportunity or any chance here of really kind of testing the Galway team that seemed to be building a bit of momentum here? I think Antrim's best form is when they play at home. Uh, I think it's been a little bit, you know, up and down <clears throat> when they hit the road. But you know, yeah, you have to say positive scoring three twenty against Kilkenny. You know, it's um, it's a great score. And as I said last week, it's it would win many a game for you. But we look, we're talking about Munster and all this hard hitting and week on week, and you're looking at Galway and Kilkenny, and they're just trotting along, you know, watching it from afar and. Do what they have to do to get by, and you know there will be probably no no doubt in an eventually in a Leinster final. Um, I I can't see Galway slip up. I think it's another <clears throat> another week for um for Shefflin to possibly mix it up a little bit if needs be, or you know, um I suppose they have this little bit of room for experimentation. You know, Dublin last game they probably have enough done at that stage to to be one of the three, um probably the top two as well. Um, I know Dublin's record against Galway is probably not too bad, but no, this weekend uh, it's hard to say. I think Antrim will will play well for parts of the game. They've been a huge improvement this year, and um, they will play well for parts. But it's hard to see Galway being turned over. Likewise, and I think the weather again being set fair here for Sunday. Again, it's you know a bit of a godsend here in Salt Hill. There'll be a little breeze coming off the Atlantic Ocean, but I think from a Galway perspective. They're looking at a comfortable win here, I would think, probably 10 to 12 points. That's no respect to Antrim, but I think it kind of all leads itself uh, quite nicely to the next weekend of games here with Galway going to Crow Park to face Dublin. I think that might be a mistake from Dublin, bringing Galway to Crow Park. I think Parnell Park would have been much more the better venue there. I suppose, Karen, let's maybe look at Joe McDonough Cup final round of games last Saturday. Really, the upshot was that Carlo and Offaly advanced to... Well, we knew Offaly were already in the Joe McDonough Cup final, but Carlo comprehensively putting Offaly to sword. A much-changed Offaly side, 129 to 14 points, and it kind of made Leash's win over Kerry fairly academic. And also, we had Down securing a win over Kildare in the Hockfield COE. So, I suppose, get your reaction in those games here, Ken. Yeah, I think it was always going to be a non-contest with um with Offaly and Carlo. You know, I think Offaly made eleven changes, like you know, so it was. Uh, no, I I think well deserved. I heard a little bit of bad press for 
for Offaly during the week, making so many changes. And I think um, Willie Marleys kind of alluded to that it was unfair. But, you know, I think they learned the right to do that. You know, they won the four games. They were top of the table. They were guaranteed. Like, let's not forget, Offaly have had a long, long, you know, week, few weeks on the road. I think they played... 12 games in 14 weeks, 15 weeks. Yeah, I think you know, so they're well, well deserved break. We look at scheduling the games, and I think this needs to be looked at for Joe McDonough teams because, um, you know, you want about player welfare for under 20s not allowed to play two games in, in seven days, but yet these teams are now playing 12 games in 14 weeks. You know, it, it goes against all the think they're about. But, you know, to be fair to Carlo, they, they took the talent seriously. They worked hard. I think they chased and they harrowed awfully. And, Look, Offaly didn't have the same bite. They were they were turned over easily, and you know I think for Carlo they scored you know sixteen points in the first half. I think Marty Cavanagh he is to Carlo, but own Carlo is Offaly. You need you know they're both a talisman. You know it'll be a, <coughs> a huge game in two weeks' time, and Offaly do need a break. But I, it's like Offaly picked who they wanted to play. You know by resting the team against Carlo, it's like we prefer. You know, we'd fancy our chances against Carlo than we would against possibly Leash. Uh and that has to be huge motivation for Carlo. We beat you by, you know, fifteen, eighteen points, whatever it was on the day. You know, they're getting their week break as well and going into it and you know, I, I think Carlo are gonna give them loads of it. You know, I think Offaly will be heavy fair, but I think Carlo are gonna give them loads of it. You know, they've been I think they've been they've been improving week on week and I think they're kinda of peaking now at the right time as well. You know, um look Offaly have been really, really impressive and I think of all teams they probably do deserve to go up. They've carried the league farm into the championship. But I think Carlo will fancy their chances and they will give them loads of it uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, moving on to Leash and Kerry. Look, I suppose both teams were technically in the mix um, going into the weekend. But I suppose when they awfully named their team, I suppose it was inevitable, really. Uh, Carlo were going to be joining them in the, in the final. I don't think there was much between them in the first half. I suppose Peaky Mar had a great game, you know, he but he's goal in the eighteen minute was the main difference and Leash went in with a one twelve to thirteen lead at half time. Um and Kerry came level early in the second half, but then I think Leash took over. <coughs> then the roll and scored a penalty and uh, after that on the hour mark it was two twenty two to twenty two points and it was like two different teams, uh, the Kerry in the first half and the second half. Leash put us in further number two late goals, but I think this is a really disappointing year for Kerry. You know, <clears throat> they've been so close the last couple of years to to winning the joint on a they made no you know, they made no crowns about this year it was the you know, Stephen Unfield heard at the start of the year and you know, this was the target. They wanted to win this and <laughs> I uh, I think they've been really disappointed and you know, I said it last week, it was the same guys week on week, Shane Conway, Jordan Conway, you know, Shane Conway uh seven points, Jordan Conway four points. Patrick Boyle, three points, you know, same guys. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of strength and depth issue there in Kerry. And, you know, <coughs> it's not going to get any easier, Joe McDonough. You know, you have a good team coming down this year. And, you know, you have serious competition there next year with Leash. And obviously, Carlo and Offaly still there as well. So, you know, it's not going to get any easier. And then the last game, Kildare and Down. The wheels really come off Kildare's wagon over the last few weeks. You know, I think they've just, it's got worse week on week. Um, I think Down then had uh, the joy of, you know, guys returning, you know, Dahi and Owen Sands getting back in, uh, Owen getting a goal for them. Good start by Down. Kildare, he came back into it with a goal, 20-22nd minute. Down responded well, you know, scoring three points in the trot and, you know, 15 points to one six and a half time. Look, 
Kildare were, I suppose, were never out of it. They got goals at, at, at crucial stages. Um, had it back to three points at one stage in the second half, but you know, down he gone again. Uh, three points on their own, and then in their goal, their own goal, and the 64 minutes sealed it. Kildare got a late consolation, but you know, the damage was done. I think it's been a bad end to Kildare season. You know, they were such score two away from Division One hurling next year. You know, and now they're after being. You know, relegated from from Joe McDonough uh, to Christy Ring next year. It's you know it's geez, a, real, a real roller coaster for them, and I think they'll have a lot of soul searching to do over the winter. And you know, and pick themselves up. They they were they were you know they were bang there in the league, but you know I think they were really shut up in in uh, in this championship. And I think to be fair to Down, they had lost every game coming into it, and you know as I said last week, just. Just scoring that 28 points for me against Carlo, <clears throat> I think they would have shown it a little bit better and got a little bit of form going towards the end of the season. It was enough to, to see off Kildare. Yeah, no, it's a good round up there, Kieran, from you. I suppose from an awfully perspective, look, you've under 20s, you've, what if you mentioned the under 20 rule anymore, to be perfectly honest, but Johnny Kelly and management are well in the rights to, to basically rest the players that they did. I mean, I think Willie Marr can complain all he wants, but Leash have only themselves to blame. Particularly the the loss against Offaly and Tullamore, and particularly Netwatch Cullen Park, where I was at, where they completely lost control and composure that game in the last 10 minutes. That ultimately has led to their downfall. So I think it's a bit disingenuous for Leash to be kind of maybe pointing fingers at Offaly. Offaly did all the hard work going into that last round. And I think the the hope from Johnny Kelly and the management is that likes of Owen Cahill and Samson and Kylie and the rest of the Offaly players are refreshed and ready to go. But as I completely agree with you, I think with Tom O'Lally in charge, Carlo are hitting form massively at the right time here. And you have Nolan, you have Doyle, you have an awful lot of attacking forwards here that will take an awful lot of mining here for Offaly. And Carlo have a great record against Offaly. I mean, they won't fear them. I mean, last year they went to Tullamore. And got a result that actually consigned uh, uh, Offaly out of the uh, out of uh, Joe McDonough. So I think from that perspective, confidence will be high. I think that'll be a cracking final. And I suppose, look, Kerry, I think it's an end of an era, really. I think all indications are that Simon Lumphy is probably going to step aside after two years with Kerry. Also, I'm kind of looking at the likes of Sean Weir and the legendary Park Boyle. There's guys here going to step aside. You're just wondering where that replacement, where are those guys going to fill in here? I think it's going to be a work in transition for whoever takes on if Malumfi decides to go on. But I got gauge post-game that Malumfi is looking for other opportunities. So I think from Kerry, it's an awful disappointing, disappointing year. And I think it, you know, it's going to be a work in transition. And as for Kildare, look, if you look at Christy Ring right now, Mayo are relegated. And if we saw Mayo's club hurling form at the start of the year, particularly, you know, yeah, intermediate on our, on our final, you would have thought, geez, Mayo would have been up there in Christian Ring. They're relegated. So I think the fear here for Kildare is that this becomes a hangover. You have the likes of Derry, Mead, London. There's an awful lot of dangerous teams here in Christian Ring as well. So I think Kildare are just going to have to regroup. I think it's a massive disappointment, but all credit to Down, as you say. They built the form up in the last few weeks and they've brought key players back as well from injury as well and work commitments. And I think they've were completely deserving of that result in Hawkfield COE, but it's a massive blow for Kildare. I think underage, hurling-wise, not much so, but I think from a, let's say, on the weekend and on the day that uh, the Kildare under-20 footballers won, 
the hearts and minds of Kildare are still going to be focused on football and not Hurling. And I think that is a massive blow for Hurling development within Kildare. So hopefully they can bounce back uh, next season. They're in 2A, obviously, and should be favourites to get to Christy Ring. But as we've seen with Mayo here in Christy Ring this season, it's a competitive league and championship. So I think, uh, yeah, all the best to them. I suppose, Karen, uh, minor and under 20, any thoughts there in Leinster and Munster? We've had a few cracking games here. Leinster, minor, final, Galway, victorious over Kilkenny, Kilkenny eventually. And also we had a classic in the US Gaelic grounds on Monday night where Cork edged out Clare in an absolute classic, I suppose. And also we have the under 20 hurling final on Wednesday night in Netwatch Cullen Park, Carlo with Wexford and Offaly. I suppose, get your thoughts on those games? That's what's starting with the minor, the Leinster minor, Galway. You know, this team, it's been no secret made how good this team are. Um, I think it, Aaron Nyland being the star of the show, you know, 11 points. It's their, obviously their first Leinster title for Galway. Um, this is their, you know, the first time going this route. Uh, I think this is going to make Galway even stronger. Playing teams in this caliber like Kenny and Wexford and Dublin's give them more opportunities than they had before this. And it has to help the, the senior team in time. I think the Kenny struggled to get scores on the board. You know, they tried to make it a game of a different stages, but, you know, the Kenny only had two points uh, in the first 25 minutes, you know, and I think when you compare that to a Ravage in Galway, you know, took their goal as well. You know, Jason Rabbit, Brian Cannon goals. You know, I think Galway, or sorry, the Kenny kept that out, to be fair. You know, in the third quarter, they had it down to five points on, on, uh, on one occasion. You know, Galway just went up a year. Uh, driven on by Nyland and I suppose the late goal you know put a glass in the wind Brian Cannon goal put a glass in the wind and uh, really impressive team and you know you'd have to make them half favourites going into the, the All-Ireland um, final to get there Galway are playing um, Cork Cork yeah and Clare play Kilkenny I think that's the the minors the team left you know Clare obviously were very impressive Munster you'd expect them to come over Kilkenny and I think you know quick surmises over Galway and Cork you know, Cork won't be not too shabby either, but you'd expect Galway to come over. I think you're looking at a clear Galway final, you know, uh, which will be a good contest, I think. But I think at the minute, this Galway team are probably highly fancied. I suppose turning to last night, uh, the Monster 20s, you know, I think, I suppose this Cork team for me, were, in my head, were hot favourites going into the game. Uh, and, and justified, I suppose, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Cork obviously going well at this age group. It's their third Monster title in four years. Team Cork, you know, I suppose in the first half especially were strong. They attacked for goals, uh, and you know, slightly the half time one eleven to ten. But you know, Clare in that third quarter just you know ripped into the game. They scored one eight to Cork three points in that third quarter. You know, and in you know, forty six minutes with one nineteen to one fifteen to Clare. You're thinking you know Cork went all sorts of trouble, but to be fair, they plugged away. They didn't panic. You know, they I think they dominated. Their own puckouts and Clare's puckouts, you know, they were 10 out of ball and they scored <coughs> the final six with the last seven points. So, you know, they finished really, really strong to win by two. Some really impressive performance. I think, you know, Ben Cunningham, nine points, you know, their captain Mullins with the goal. Took a run on goal in the last few minutes as well and possibly should have popped it over the bar before he got swarmed. But, uh, you know, really good performances over the field. And, you know, I think <coughs> this car team, Regardless who wins tomorrow night, or have to be hot favourites for the All Ireland because uh, they just look very, really, really impressive to me. But Clare, to be fair, look, you know, I think Keith Smith eleven points, Sean Rin going the point. Uh, you know, to their credit, they battled. 
you know, Cork were favourites, but, you know, they give them a real shock, especially in that third quarter. And, you know, to me, they looked the winners at that stage, looking back at it last night. But, you know, <coughs> it's like Cork didn't panic. And so looking tomorrow night, uh, sold out uh, Network Cullen Park, you know, for, which is huge. I think it just shows that the level of um, support in one way, but I suppose that starvation of success, I suppose, on the other hand, you know, both counties craving a bit of silverware, you know, 21,000 people for an under-20s game, which massive, compared to the Munster final last night, which had, you know, a mere 5,500 compared. So expecting a real <coughs> good game tomorrow night. I think Wexford, you know, it's a lot of them players from last year where they lost out in the Leinster final. I think in the game they felt they should have won. You know, a couple of them big players still there. I think Keane Burnby, one of them, huge player for him. Uh, Corey Dunbar from, from Ferns, um, you know, Excellent player as well. I think they <coughs> saw the Kenny's last day. You know, it was a hard game. And I think awfully, you know, we're seeing a, maybe a younger team, you know, that had this minor team who should have won an All-Ireland last year coming through. Uh, haven't seen the offering lineup. I know Screeny, Adam Screeny, missed out the last day. You know, if, he, if they can get him back on the field, you know, Hughes plus, you know, young guys like Dan Raven and, uh, you know, Charlie Mitchell, we've seen so much of this year. Especially with the seniors as well, for Offaly. Uh, it's I think it's going to be such a hard game to call. Uh, I'm going to just just going to give it to Wexford just because of their the bit of hurt from last year. Uh, it's going to be a huge occasion for these young guys. Uh, you know, a packed out pitch. It's going to be I think it's going to be a great atmosphere there. I think Wexford battled hard, and you know they had to battle to win that game against Kenny, and that will stand to them. Uh, I think it's a young Offaly team. They're going to have their chances, I think, again next year. But uh, I'm just going to give it to Exeter just based on being so close last year. Great roundup there, Kieran. I'd agree with you there on Wexford. Uh, I think, you know, the hurt of last year, particularly against Kilkenny, you know, being pipped right at the post there in that Leinster Hurland final in Carlow last summer. Um, I know we spoke about it at length there last year in our podcast series. It was um, a tough loss there for Wexford on 20s. But yeah, I saw an awful lot of resilience in that Wexford performance against Kilkenny. You know, past teams may have basically surrendered once Kilkenny rattled the two goals in. But this group of players and management seem different. And I think Offaly will bring an awful lot to the table, bring an awful lot of skill, bring an awful lot of organisation and work rate. But I think, yeah, Wexford, I think, should do it. Um, But that Cork under 20, look, they're so easy on the eye. But all credit to Clare. After 10 minutes, I was really fearing for Clare, but they really fronted up well. They got the run game established. They really got into Cork's faces. And being four points up going into the last 10 minutes, I thought they were going to be the winners. But as Cork have done so many times before in the Munster Provincial, I remember the Limerick semi-final when Limerick thought they had this in the bag and then Cork basically rattled off three late scores to win their cracking side. But again, it's an All-Ireland final there for Cork. They're only in there. And uh, I think Wexford and Offaly, it's a free hit for them, I think, because Cork would be raging hot favourites. And as for Galway, I think, uh, to be fair, it's an Aaron Island show here. But that inside from the forward line will take some stopping for whoever it is. I think that Cork game could be a potential banana skin because I think that Cork minor team are better than what they showed in the Munster Hurling final against Clare. And I know speaking to a few of the backroom members of the Galway team, they're very cautious on this Cork minor team. They think they've more to give, so I think that might be one of the games um, coming up to really have a look out for. But uh, look, I think Corey <laughs> has spoken well, Mark. As well, uh, you know, 
being involved in that age group is it's hard to get consistency at that level. So exactly. you know, while Galway have been very impressive to date, they can turn up and you know and not show their true potential on a, on a given day. So you know it's still wide open. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're winners just yet. And to be fair to Kilkenny, I mean, the scoreline may suggest that it was pretty comprehensive, but I think for long periods, they did compete very well. I thought the adjustments of the management from the team that played in Easter against Galway and UPMC was far improved, better balanced to the side. So you know Kilkenny are going to basically be very competitive against Clare in that other semi-final. Would not be all surprised if Kilkenny were to pull up an upset win against Clare. So look, I think that minor championship is one that we can closely follow here uh, Kieran, in the next few weeks, I suppose Kieran will leave it there. It's been a big bit of a long one tonight, but uh, plenty to cover. I suppose uh, next week we'll have a look at the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Those two crackers at the weekend. We'll also look at Leinster, see where how things are going here, heading into the final round of weekend games for Munster and the Leinster, and also look at the minor and under twenty one games that have been taking place this week. I suppose until then, Kieran, many thanks. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat next week. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.